0: The cost of being a disciple. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him, with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord.
1: very good morning to all of you. Lovely to be with you this morning. I hope that you are well. Uh, Those of you who I haven't seen for a few weeks, uh, lovely to see you again and look forward to catching up with you afterwards. We're doing some thinking at the moment uh, about uh, cost and calculating costs. And we're doing that for two reasons. Uh, One is uh, because uh, we're aware that uh, we want to be in a position as a church uh, to help people uh, with increased costs over this next uh, year or so. And we would really value wisdom from the whole congregation about ways in which we as a church uh, can really help and be there for the people that most need it. Uh, We're also thinking about cost uh, because like lots of uh, small businesses, um, our uh, current contracts for uh, electricity and gas. It uh, goes until the end of October and then uh, currently we're told it might go up between four and 500%. And we're no different to any school, or university or small business. So this passage about thinking about cost and calculating and sitting down and being sober about it ahead of time was ringing very true for me and I'm sure it is for you too because I think, what well, all of us, no matter who we are, Are thinking about those things at least in our own homes if not also for the businesses that we are involved with we hear in this passage Jesus's call for us to follow him as disciples it is loud and it is clear and it is direct Jesus unashamedly calls every one of us to follow him that tells us some very interesting things about who Jesus is thinks he is. He thinks he's far more than an interesting teacher or a good person. He has the audacity to summarize his message often as simply come and follow me. That either makes him audaciously arrogant or we have to say he has the authority to call people to follow him. And we come at a moment in this passage where Jesus is followed by a large and enthusiastic crowd. It is every church leader's dream. And I think most contemporary church leaders, if they suddenly had a large and enthusiastic crowd, they'd be getting everyone's email address uh, or mobile number, and we'd be in contact with them, and we'd be trying to press home at the advantage. Very interesting that Jesus does almost the opposite, stands back. And says to people if you are going to follow me there is a cost and here's what it is he states this calmly and authoritatively following him is not a gigantic freebie uh, that we should rush and grab in this passage he follows he highlights that to follow him means to put him first that's where the the cost lies since the cost lies in our own heart as we decide our own priorities and we decide whether we really want to follow him or whether we want to keep our own hands on the steering wheel. And in this passage in particular, it highlights uh, the, the fact that this will come before his call, comes before the call of family, and it even comes uh, to the call uh, of our own selves. And in the first century, the more revolutionary would be uh, to put following him before family in the 21st century, we're really angry that Jesus should say that we should put following him before our own needs, that we are not in a culture that loves self-denial. Jesus uses Jewish dramatic hyperbole to make his point. Uh, he uses the language of hatred of family and our own life. This is an established way of teaching in the first century. Uh, it's hyperbolic. It's exaggerating to make a point. So we need to examine this language very carefully and put it alongside other things that Jesus said and did. This is not, repeat, this is not Jesus inviting us to hate our family, and it is not Jesus inviting us to hate ourselves. This is Jesus using highly dramatic imagery to make the point that he has the first call on our hearts and our lives. Family is, of course, a blessing for many of us, and we are grateful for it. We believe that the warmth and the encouragement and the mutual support of a family is a gift from God, one that we thank God for. We believe that honoring our parents And being true to those who look to us is what God's love requires. But we are not dumb. We know that families can be graveyards of love. And they can be epicenters of dysfunction and bitterness and jealousy. We know that too many in our world still today are given a choice. Either stick to the ways of our family or become a Christian and you are no longer part of our family. Or but more subtly, we know that families often will hand us batons, and they are batons of hate or bitterness or distrust, and they give that baton to us and they say, we've run with this, now it's your turn. In those moments, Jesus sheds a stark light on the choice we have, Jesus or family. We pray, God, that it doesn't happen, but when it does... If we are Christians, then the demands and the call of Jesus come first. We are also called to self-denial, what Jesus so vividly describes here as taking up our cross. Again, this language of taking up a cross is not literal. It's a highly charged metaphor for a life in which we consciously die to self-centeredness in which we put away our own ego and we learn, however slowly, to love the people God loves and to love the things that delight His heart. We are all, let's be honest, mired in greed and in getting our own way from the moment we are born. And so this is a high and real cost that we should not underestimate or ignore. And Jesus gives two quite full illustrations to make his point here in Luke 14. The first is the hasty building of a tower that is never completed. And Jerusalem and the surrounding landscape was no doubt littered with unfinished building projects. Chief among them, the second temple, which was started by Herod the Great. The force of the illustration is simple. Before we embark on following Jesus... We should, in his words, sit down first and count the cost. See if it's worth it. Uh, Do the math, as they might say. The second illustration is of a king who might need to go to war. The king has to calculate. "Hmm, If I can't win, it would be better to negotiate a peace. Peace for me and for my people. If the king miscalculates, there is suffering and disaster. The kingly thing to do is to sit down and work out whether going to war is worth the cost. So it is with each one of us as we consider the call of Jesus. There will be a cost. Is it worth it? Let's stand back and look at the whole passage. Jesus calls every one of us to be his disciples, to follow him, to recognize who he is, our Lord, our Savior. For me and I think for many of us here, to do so has been an overwhelming relief in giving up my ego and in taking delight in following God and living for him in this world. But Jesus is not coy about the cost. Being a Christian is not fluffy bunnies, puppy dogs, and marshmallows all the day long. There is both the general muck of life But there are also, more specifically, times at which there are costs that are specific to being a Christian. So if you are a Christian, you face higher costs, costs that we could avoid if we kept our head down or if we kept our faith for outward show only. And the particular cost highlighted in this passage is that we are called to put Jesus above the demands of our family, and above the dictates of our selfish hearts. 19 times out of 20, certainly I think in Europe, in the 21st century, we are going to most honor God by honoring, loving, and being a full part of the families that we are born into. But there are times when they take exception to our love for Jesus. Or they knowingly want us to hang on to hurt or to hate, or to secrecy. Those are the times when it hurts. When Jesus comes first to our families, it might even feel as though we hate them, which of course we don't. The call to give up selfishness is more straightforward. Uh, Remember what it's like explaining to a toddler that they are not the center of the universe. A lot of us are still a lot like the toddler of course as we end we should be good accountants as my son always tells me and we should even up the balance sheet if there is a cost to following Jesus and it's clear there is what is the cost of not being a disciple of Jesus I can think of immediately two and have a feeling that you can think of a lot more we should factor them in to those times when we sit down and think about being Jesus' disciples. For me, the first cost of not, being a, of not being a disciple is that I would have no one to rescue me from my self-centeredness. I know full well that left to my own devices, my ego would want center stage and I would be forever Chasing adulation and acceptance and wanting to be top of the pile. The second cost for me would be not knowing the wonder of gratitude to God that we express at this and at every service. The one who calls me to costly discipleship, although it turns out that actually the costs all lead to liberty the one who calls me to costly discipleship paid a far higher cost to rescue me than I will ever pay for him. Jesus' chosen image of self-denial taking up a cross, a common sight in first century Palestine with condemned criminals humiliated before their execution. That image of taking up a cross is far richer and far deeper than his first hearers could ever know. We know more than them. We know he literally carried a cross innocently for us. So there is a cost to being a Christian. I thank Jesus that he lays it out so clearly. I repent of the fact that in a time of falling numbers, the church is at times tempted uh, to portray the Christian life as uh, immeasurably wonderful, as solving all of your problems. It's not quite like that. There is cost. Some of you know that there is high cost to being a disciple of Jesus. But we would also say, first, it's worth it Because in service of Jesus we find true liberty. And second, we know that the alternative is far, far worse. Amen.